Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition. This is number 356 of Grace to All with Paul Gray and my friend Mike Zinker. We were together a week ago. We looked exactly like we do now with the same shirt and everything. One of us has probably showered since then. I won't tell you which one, but we're... (laughs) We're back again, and uh, Mike, thank you for being with us again. It's a pleasure. Thank you. I won't give you all of Mike's extensive background again, but... uh, Go back to last time. Yeah, please go back to last time. And also, if you have a new copy of our book, Grace to All, Mike is in this, page 181. There's a couple of three pages about him. He's right in the middle of the picture on the back. I did that on purpose, Mike. I wanted people's eyes would go right to the middle, I knew. I'm usually at the end, last one, you know, with my last name, Zanker. Actually, I didn't have any choice of where those were. The person with my publisher who designed the cover put those where she thought they would look best. So at any rate, I'm not going to take the blame or the credit for that. But she did a good job, in my opinion. At any rate, and also in the book, there's all the contact information. So you can see there how to contact Mike and how to contact the other people in the book. And as we mentioned last time, the 80 plus people in the book were all on it similar journey. We're still growing in grace and the understanding of, of Jesus. We're not minions. We're, we're not, not saying the same language. We're not believing no, everything the no, same. There no. are people who specialize in a certain category that they're just have extra focus on. It's like, wow, that's cool. I definitely don't have that. Like it's a huge variety. That's for sure. I love it. It is. We don't have demands that you agree with us on uh, any uh, particular thing. We do ask if you disagree that you do it in love. <laughs> and and we, we ask that of ourselves first. But last time we told the folks that this time we talk a little bit about our ideas of where heaven is and what heaven is. And you have a unique insight on that with your ministry with grieving because of death, funerals and that kind of stuff. So let me just turn it over to you and tell us what you want to tell us. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. I am still unlearning the heaven theology I learned in Bible college and Sunday school. I'm unlearning the theology of heaven for my worship songs. Even that one song, whoa, whoa, heaven's in my heart. You know, I just hated that song. And yet there actually may still be something true there, but my lens couldn't understand it. I grew up believing that heaven was a location that is a reward for your awesome deeds. And you better make that list because if you don't make the list, you're toast literally. And you get a better house than everybody else too. Well, only the mansion over the hilltop, you know, I did hear though that, uh, no, I won't joke about denominations right now. <laughs> I got some, oh my goodness. Anyway, but I grew up with believing <laughs> that heaven is the, the destination reward. Now, here's the problem with heaven. 
in the Christian world, because it's not taught on very well, it's so surfacey that people have made heaven the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Good, bad, heaven, hell. And they don't even know it. One of the stupidest questions I get asked, I wonder if they were believers. I wonder if they were saved. I'm thinking, as if it matters to you. It's none of your business, for one. Sorry, I'm, I'm, it gets me going because I, there are some really tough religious people out there that make it their mission to make death about heaven and hell. It's like, it is not. Death is about the next stage of awakening. You know, our spirits do not die. And so if that's true, which it is, my goodness, maybe there's something more that we're not aware of. Even in, this kind of surprised me a couple of years ago when I found out the Jewish faith has zero concept of hell. None. Never had. The, the Orthodox Church in 2000 years does not have a doctrine of eternal conscious torment. The lake of fire, you burn in sulfur for eternity by a pissed off God. It doesn't exist in their theology. Why? And they're one of the oldest denominations. They are. They've been, they're the ones who've not changed in 2000 years too much. So there's some credibility there. They're the ones who also understand the early church fathers better and the doctrines. So when you start talking about heaven, and again, I'm a funeral home chaplain. I do almost a hundred funerals a year. Like I meet families from all kinds of backgrounds. They call me to do the ones that are less religious or, you know, they, they find, they want somebody that's not so traditional. They want a short service. So they call Mike, <laughs> you know, uh, I always tell families, if it's a long service, it's your fault. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, I'm not going to go run off on a tangent. You know, I want to be trusted when I share, because this is a time to say goodbye to the living. This is the living's chance to have something to say goodbye to their loved one. Some people say it's always about the one who's passed away. Well, it's about them, but it's for the living. And people forget that. So if I can just throw this in, if, if you're one of the, an individual that has this attitude of don't do anything for me, just cremate me and then dump me into the forest, please don't say that. It, it's, it's actually a very unloving thing to do because your loved ones need to have the freedom to choose to remember you their way. And if you put a constraint on them, dad would never want this. Mom, I want she wanted this. Don't do that. It's, it's like you got no power after the grave once you're gone anyway, but people feel this obligation. And there isn't one, by the way. You can do what you want. But the, the living need to recognize the shortness of life, mortality, that nobody gets out alive. And so having a celebration of life, a graveside, having something versus nothing is critical. You know, that's when the questions about heaven come up, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And I'll, I'll tell you, Paul, the, because I get asked this a lot, especially from families I don't know. And I always tell them now is not the time for the conversation. Let's deal with the service. Let's deal with how we say goodbye. Let's set up a time afterwards and we'll have a great conversation over a coffee. But we're not going to talk about it here and now. It's, you're not ready to hear the depths of God's love right now in this pain. So that's why I told him. Wow. That's great advice. Can be. How's it received? Very well every time. Yep. Yep. And if I sense that, uh, I've been, you know, I'd say maybe one funeral a year. There's a really, really religious one where I just have to sit through some 
religious BS, you know, and scare the hell out of you. Sermon comes from a eulogist and they, they browbeat everybody. It's like, I'm just, okay, dear God, I am seriously earning my income right now. <laughs> you know, putting up with this, I, I can't stand it, but I try to bring in a hope filled perspective. In my other words, I don't confront it in my talk. I don't try to fix their theology, which I used to do. Doesn't don't do that. Um, well, after all, you're right and they're wrong. I mean, why wouldn't oh, you want to fix them? I want them to hear love. I want them to hear hope, not right, wrong. And so it's taken a long time to learn that. It really has. So it's not about, you know, wherever they are in their journey. I'm here in their journey to help them say goodbye. So I know I like it, but, you know, I don't yeah, know well, where you want to go. The line you just said, I, I want them to hear love. It's so important, obviously, at that time and in that uh, situation and every time and every situation. Yeah, please. This is my absolute favorite. I'll read you the two because to me, these are, these are amazing. These are, when I get permission to read scripture and even non-religious families, because I ask families, you know, how much faith or spirituality do you want in your service? Because I never sneak God in. <laughs> So what do you mean? So, well, I have heavy God. Do you want lots of God? Do you want no God? Cause you're really ticked off with them or you don't believe in them. Or do you like diet God and, or God light? And what do you mean by that? Well, like Bud light, only the good stuff, you know? So <laughs> I, it's all, oh, you know, what do you mean? So while the love of God and the comfort of Christ, we, we want that. Oh, okay. So they, they still a hunger for some faith. So I read these two verses. This is from first John 14. I love this one. So Jesus says, don't be troubled. You trust God, now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home and I'm going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly. And when everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. I love this line. And you know where I am going and how to get there. Long pause, different voice. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? And then Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What I love about that verse, the cross is what Jesus was speaking about. We're the home. We're the temple. We're the ones being prepared. And that's really cool. It gives me a lot of hope. But the most favorite one, this next verse is probably the strongest, most powerful verse in the entire scriptures that expresses the relentless love of Christ. Paul says, I am convinced that no thing, nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't. Life can't. Angels can't, demons can't, our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. <laughs> Whether we're high above the sky or trying to hide in the deepest ocean, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God forced pause that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Sorry, you want to talk about heaven and not talk about hell? But this, well, you didn't say that, but the, the point here 
let's talk about the love of God. Once we have an understanding of the love of God, then the topic of heaven and these other topics can be entered into. Otherwise, we're coming at it from a faulty concept or faulty standing. So I just love those two verses. Let me write that down. <laughs> what? Oh, you, you can rewind. You know that, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in Kansas. We don't have rewind. Oh, no. <laughs> You're hilarious. No, but when I get to read those verses, I can't always animate it that way, but I want people to pause and hear it, even though they are, if, if there's church people there, they're going to hear it differently. If there's non-church people, they're going to hear it with freshness instead of religiosity spewing into it. So to me, that sums up why I do what I do at the funerals. So. Yeah, well, that's great. Mike. Will you do my funeral? Probably not. I've, yeah, I've already asked somebody. There you go. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but you said until, this applies to so many things. Until we know the love of God, we can't talk about, there's probably an adverb in there, we can't talk. But the plethora, plethora of topics that we're trying to understand. Yeah, we can't. It we begins can't with love. Yeah. Gosh, that's so good. So many things are going through my mind with that. It really does. It applies to everything. You talked about having to unlearn the things that you learned before, which we're all doing. And there are a lot of different words for that, that some of them I like and some of them I don't. But I have come to the conclusion, I'm a slow learner, but I have come to the conclusion that just about everything we were taught in Sunday school and in religion was not true. How about another everything. word? I would say incomplete. Incomplete. Yep. Because if you say it's not true, which part? Now you're going to dissect till you're exhausted and somebody will pick it all apart. I, I think it's incomplete because at that time, your level of the ability to understand was not matured enough. You had no capacity. So you may have been taught good things, but, and even the teachers were, may have been taught good things, but they were only able to reteach it from a, another incomplete, faulty Understanding versus using the strong word of wrong. I, that's I want to get away from that um, because religion uses that. That's that's the fuel of religion, right and wrong. Wow, the system rather the system of religion. Well, that that's worth the price of admission today. That's really good. Yeah, incomplete. Well, we're we're still learning, right? Like we we yeah. talked about the word deconstruction, where some people like, some don't. I like renovation. I call it basic discipleship. Whatever you want to call it, yeah. it means what we understand now is still incomplete. And yeah. with that incomplete comes uh, still removing some parts break because they weren't uh, OEMs. <laughs> so now we need the OEM parts until we get that once yeah. we cross over. Yeah. I had a, I had a, a f um, hospital setting that kind of woke me up to, it kind of woke me up to there's more going on than what we can see. And you and I have been exposed to the quantum physics stuff and it's, it's been helpful. It's a, yeah. it's a language to explain uh, part of the mysteries. Yeah. Um, it's it too is incomplete, but I remember being in a hospital, this is early in ministry uh, in, I worked at, in Fort Erie, which is right across the border from Buffalo, New York and went into a hospital there. A person was dying families around quite an elder, elderly lady, grandkids are there and she's, she's passing away, starting to go, starting to go. And the grandkid starts saying, grandma, 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 she's tapping her hand. And suddenly grandma went, 
and her eyes opened up and, and she said, who called me? Oh, that was me. The proud little kid, you know, me, me, me. That's great. And, And the grandma said, don't do that again. He was reaching out to my hand. And then she went like this and she was gone. It's like, okay, you can't make this stuff up. I've heard of stuff happening. She saw something. There was something visual that we couldn't see, but she could because the, the exiting process of spirit soul from the body made me realize we can't see and believe everything correctly. We don't have the capacity to. So maybe a little more humility in how we share so that we share from a, here's where I'm at. Here's where I've studied and come to a conclusion on for now, but I'm not going to grab tight. I'm going to stay with a loose hand, Father, put in or out whatever is good or, you know, you, you put it in or out. But instead of grasp, grasping and nobody being able to challenge it, that, that little experience, which I'd heard about happening many times, I saw firsthand, and it's happened many times. I've, I've had many, I've heard many stories of that kind of experience that there's something going on when a person's exiting their body. So this heaven thing, I have a hunch it's, it's not there. It's here. It's an awareness. It's a presence where who knows? And to uh, growing up, I never had that menu item. It was not on the menu. My only menu item was up. Yeah. You mentioned quantum spirituality, which I think the primary understanding of it is oneness. We're all connected. The matrix, the ether, the spirit, Christ, whatever we call that, is all around, everywhere. In us, in me, in you, in the space in between, in everybody else. And by the way, the scriptures teach that too. Of course it does. Of course it does. So then heaven is in us, all around us, connecting us, quantum entanglement. We're entangled. We're one with heaven, whatever you want to call it. And to a certain extent, a very small extent right now, but I think it's growing, we're able to realize that and see it and hear it. I think destination obsession is creating a hindrance or a block to realize there's more life to be experienced versus our destination. Yeah. People are so obsessed with destination. They live like jerks, you know, and they, they're not loving. So uh, if let me, let me encourage you change your destination approach. Your destination is a person, Jesus, not a location. And so to, to focus all your energy on getting people into heaven and out of hell. Um, how about be a loving person, which means you have to know God is love, which means, you know, remember, this is where we dig down to God is love. Start there. That's where our conversations start. And be surprised to find out that half the arguments for some of those theological categories lose a lot of power and strength. They fall weak and realize, wow. Are you saying that love's pretty important? It's it. It is the answer. I thought Jesus said they know us by our doctrine. I just said that on Sunday. I had that on my my PowerPoint slides. You know, they'll know we are Christians by our doctrine, our our making our lists, our churches, denomination. But no, it's love. Uh, what and, we're against, too. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. So half the questions that come up that say, "Is this right or wrong? Is this biblical or unbiblical?" Hang on. 
Wrong question. If you're asking those questions, you have fast forwarded, skipped over the most important foundation, which is love. Yeah. And somebody wrote the other day, said, well, that's a subjective. Uh, actually, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not subjective. There's an objective truth to what and who love is. And yeah. uh, if you think it's subjective, then there's still some maturing that has to happen. Um, there's some menu items you've not been exposed to. There's more that you haven't been told. And uh, I'd say start searching for a better meaning for what love is, what agape yeah. is. Yeah. And it's guys, such a foundational thing to that is is first John four, perfect love casts out all fear because fear has to do with punishment and torment. But the church is afraid right now. There's so much fear mongering in the church, fear for the future, fear for political, fear for wars, fear for you name it. Make your list of fears and man, it's it's like, wait a minute, you're worshiping fear, not Jesus. And the foundation for all wisdom, of course, is the fear of God. Well, that's not what it means. No, that's not what it means at all. (laughs) And gosh, that whole, there's so many wonderful things we've talked about, Mike, that could just be enough for uh, not listen. Uh, those the preachers that do that are in us in a. My guess is because I've seen it. Those preachers that can use that strong language to clog, you know, clobber people. They're in places where nobody dare questions them. They're on their own pedestal, and it's a dangerous place. If you can't question or ask for honest explanations, I don't think it's a safe place to grow at all. You know why? My opinion. So many people are leaving organized religion mm-hmm. today. When somebody says something like you just suggested, everybody sitting in the pews has got one of these, and you can go. I wonder if there's another way to look at that. I wonder if there's anybody else that thinks different. I wonder if anybody's ever questioned that. And within just a few seconds, and I mean, eight year old kids do that. I mean, and so. Pretty soon, the people <laughs> take this thing and they leave and they don't come back. <laughs> and, and Yeah, because the place is not trustworthy anymore. No, no, not at all. And those two things, love and perfect love, cast out fear, which has to do with punishment. That is so foundational and so all-encompassing. One of the things that I... I want to remember myself and want to help those that I have the opportunity to interact with. If you sense or feel or read or see or hear anything that has to do with fear, especially in regard to God, but anything really, but especially in regard to God, that is a trigger. Run and know that it's not, <laughs> it's not true. No. Uh, Gosh, it's so I foundational. Should... It's really simple. Of course, it's not easy to do because we have all those pre-programmed things that, gosh, it sounds so good, to the fear of God. Well, it really doesn't sound good once you learn how to hear. <laughs> it sounds awful. So have we solved enough of the world's problems today that we can put a wrap on this? <laughs> I look forward to having you speak at my event on identity. That I can hardly wait for. And I know you'll be giving people more information about that, and I look forward to that. Mike, we're going to wrap things up. I, I so appreciate you and your it's ministry mutual. and your teaching, what you're doing. Thank you. And uh, tell people, again, how they can connect with you. I think they've got a good idea of what they can find when they do. So how do they connect with you? 
Go to hopefellowshipycc.com or growingingrace.ca or look up Mike Zenker on YouTube or Facebook. Yeah, good. And if you have one of these, oh, yeah. Grace to All, Mike's in it on page 181, and he's the next to the last one at the end, which gives information of how to connect everybody. He's only next to the last because there's somebody with a Z and a U in their first two letters of the name. But you'll find out more about Mike there and other like-minded folks. And it's such a privilege to to know you, Mike, and to uh, include you in the book and to know that when I've got my name on the book and to know when somebody uh, reads about you and connects with you that I've given them sound advice. So thank you for being who you are. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening, being with us for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray and Mike Sinker. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.